Well, good morning again. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Good morning again. You do understand something, don't you? Your lunch fate is in my hands. If I speak slow and long, the Methodists will beat you to Kentucky Fried Chicken. But if I speak quickly and you amen a lot, we'll get out of here by 1133. It's up to you. It's up to you. I hear it. Can I have an amen now? Amen. All right, great. Hey, listen. First off, again, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. A lot of churches. We're not the only game in town. And thank you for if you came to worship with Dad today and bring the family together. That's awesome. You just happened to find the place. Whatever. We're just glad that you're here. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And we are on the very tail end, the very last message of our family center, uh, series for this year, uh, Family Toolbox, you know, ministering inside the toolbox, doing family inside the box. And, and, and we appreciate so much our, our, uh, our prop we've had this, this year. And, and it, this represents the Word of God. And when I talk about, you know, often we hear, think outside the box, live outside the box, do outside the box. But what we're trying to, to convey um, with this is that what if, how different would our lives be that if we did family inside the box and the box represented the Word of God? Now, now as Christ followers, and really, you know what? You know what? The Bible is such a great book. There are some wonderful principles. Even if you don't know Jesus and you say, well, I don't even want to do the God thing. The Bible is such a rich book. There are principles in there that will help you do life. But we understand the real power of the Word of God is we have a relationship with the Word of God. But, 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 but how different would our lives be, family-wise particularly, if we obeyed and applied the Word of God? That's what we've been talking about for seven weeks. And we've talked about different topics. You know, we've talked about finances. We've talked about parenting. We've talked about husband-wife relationships. We've talked about a lot of things and how different life would be if we follow the Word of God. So we want to finish up today um, with kind of a hodgepodge of thoughts from Proverbs chapter 22. And I would guess, look at the clock, my goal is to make it down through verse number 6. And we'll see if we can do that. And again, I'll be honoring of your time. If you'll give me your attention, we'll certainly do that. Now, now the Word of God is just, you know, in the topics that it addresses, it's, you know, it's an expert. If you're wanting to re rebuild a Ford 351 engine, probably the Bible is not the best choice of instruction books. But if you want to know how to do life, if you want to see how God reveals himself to people, well, obviously the Bible is the book. And if you want to know how to do family, the Bible is the book. Now, I've got several tools laid out here, and I think this will work pretty good. And again, the sermon title being, Socket to Me, The Nuts and Bolts of Family. Now, I really would rather have a gigantic pair of channel lock pliers. And I, I just didn't get together and grab a pair, but this will work fine. You know, there are several ways to deal with nuts and bolts. Um, this is one way. Uh, if you've done any kind of, uh, I'll say, any kind of mechanical work, well, we won't go that far. But if you ever had to tighten or loosen a bolt, perhaps you went into your junk drawer. Everybody has a junk drawer, it seems like. We've got one in our kitchen. And you, you pull that open, and that's where stuff just kind of migrates, you know, from the kitchen counter. Or maybe one day I used a pair of pliers and didn't feel like walking downstairs, so I put it in the junk drawer. Well, you go to the junk drawer, and you may find a pair of pliers. Now, you know it's not the right tool, but it is a tool. And so you go, and you try to tighten or loosen this bolt with a pair of pliers. Now, these are vice grips. They're better. But the bottom line is still this. The, the jaws clamp down on the bolt, and then you try to loosen or tighten the bolt. Now, the problem is pliers are really not designed 
for that. And the effectiveness of the pliers depends on my energy. How much of a grip can I put on that nut of that bolt to loosen it or tighten it? And that is so much about our wisdom, our knowledge with doing family. You know, it's a tool, it's a tool, but it's not the best tool to do family. And the effectiveness of our ability to do family without God, without the Word of God, depends on how much grip we can put on it. But here's the scary part. If if you're a guy, you know this. There's somewhere in your toolbox, somewhere in your house, there's a bolt. And it bears scars. And you know what bears scars of? You try to use the wrong tool to loosen or tighten it. It stripped, it moved, you didn't have enough grip, and you end up with this shredded piece of metal. And that happens with our families. When we try to do family our way, with our ability, our ability to lock down, oh boy, it can really end in disaster. So there's a little better tool. And it's actually a really good tool. And that's this. This, of course, is a wrench. Even from the back, you can probably see that. It's a three-quarter, I believe. Yeah, it's a three-quarter inch uh, tool. And it's a great tool for loosening and tightening bolts. It's designed, actually, this one's really cool. This one has the open end, and it's designed to fit a certain bolt, and that is a three-quarter bolt. And you put that sucker on there, and you can really wrench down on that and tighten or loosen that bolt. Even better is this that goes all the way around the bolt like this, and it really has a good grip. And again, chances are, on a three-quarter inch bolt, this will do the job. But the problem is, not all bolts are three-quarter inch. If you put this, so let's say a five-eighths, a five-eighths is just a little bit smaller than a three-quarter, it will go over the bolt, and it will round the edges because it just doesn't have the grip. This is designed for one particular bolt. And so we may believe the Word of God. We may be a Christ follower, but we simply don't take the time to get the whole book. So we grab onto a verse like the one we're going to close today with, if we make it that far. Proverbs 22, 6. We love it. Train up a child in the way that they shall go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. And we say, that's going to be my wrench. I'm going to train up a child in the way that he should go and he won't depart from it. And then you realize something. You don't know how to train a child. It sounds good. In fact, we're going to learn it's not a promise. It's a principle. It's a great principle. But how do you train up a child? And what is the way that they should go? We simply don't know. And if we take the Word of God and just have a very light usage of it, a light knowledge of it, we're going to miss some of the bolts. And we'll strip them off. No, see, we need something better than a pair of pliers, and we need something more than just a verse here or there that will help us with the Word of God in raising our families. And that's where socket to me comes in. Now this also, by the way, not only are all my tools new looking, um, this one tells my intense interest in quality tools. The label on the top says Workman's Choice. You all know me, I'm a little bit tight. <laughs> My tools come from Walmart. <laughs> and, and, and it said, it said, now it's made in Taiwan, I think this is that old. It says in Taiwan, it's made in Taiwan, and it said, if this tools ever fail, you know how Craftsman says, if your screwdriver breaks, bring it back, we'll replace it. Well, Walmart said they replace these tools too. I just have to send it to Taiwan. But anyway, in this set, again, I'm sorry for those way back in the back. I wish we had a zoom in, and we don't. 
Um, but of course, this is a full set of sockets. And I will say this has been a pretty good set. And in here are various sizes to fit various sized nuts and bolts. In this, practically speaking, I have an awesome tool that will allow me to tighten or loosen most of the bolts I'm going to find in my home. And a socket's so great because as you see here, of course it has a hole. And it actually fits down over the nut or the bolt. Totally covering, that's important, totally covering the nut and the bolt. Chances are it won't strip. If I get the right size on there, it will not strip. And the bolt is totally protected by the socket. All the energy is directed in the right place. Just like the Word of God. When we begin understanding that God didn't call us to memorize a verse and use that verse to totally train our families and help our families. When we understand we need, here's a good biblical term, when we understand the whole, we need the whole counsel of God. I don't need a verse here or there. I need a really good understanding of the Word of God to help me raise my family, to help me be the husband, to be the wife that you should be, the husband that I should be, the dad that I should be, Judy the mom that she should be. And so it's important we get inside the box and apply the whole Word of God. Now, what I thought was really cool is with Proverbs 22, it really is, well, they kind of tie together, but not really. Just like, again, if you were building a 351 Ford engine, you would have a 916 here, you'd have a 3 quarter over here, you'd have a 5 eighths down here. In the same way, Proverbs 22, verses 1 through 6, what we'll cover today, is an eclectic part, a, a varied part of family life and doing life. And we're going to take the Word of God and apply the right wrench, the right verse to that, and help us understand and apply the Word of God. Now, I hope that makes sense to you. There is, listen, listen, listen. I'm getting old. I'm 61 years old. I've had three grown children. I'll soon have eight grandchildren. I have failed in so many areas uh, as being a husband or a dad. I confess that to you. But I cannot imagine doing family without the Word of God. There is no tool like the Word of God. It is time we get the Word of God off the coffee table and into our hands. It is time that we get the Word of God from our hands into our minds. And it is time we get the Word of God from our minds into our heart and apply the Word of God. Young parents, hear me. A lot of you younger folks sit over here. Uh, grandparents, hear me. It is not too late to become a student of the Word of God. It will help you do life. It'll help you do family, and it'll help you do it well. Amen? Amen? So let's look then at these, these six topics that really aren't connected, and yet in a strange way they are, and see how the Word of God addresses each one of those. Now, Proverbs, of course, was written by Solomon, which, by the way, he has a horrible story because he was called the wisest man in the world. God gave him incredible wisdom, and he ended horribly. I mean, he like went off the deep end. But still, the, you know, God used him to say some of the most incredible things. This is the inspired word of God. Proverbs are a list of wise sayings um, included in the word of God. And the first one goes like this. Proverbs 22, verse number 1. A good name, and really, by the way, probably chances are the word good in your Bible is in italics. It's really not in the Hebrew. It really says a name. But... But, but from what it says, we know it's talking about a good name, so the translators put that in for us. A good name is to be chosen over great wealth, 
Favor is better than silver and gold. Let me read that again because it's really important. A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. In other words, a, a quality name is more important than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. Now, that is true in a broad sense. But again, remember now, we're talking from the Word of God. So we're going to take this from a God perspective. The, one of the great things we can do as moms and dads, and this is Dad's Day, but this is a mom and dad sermon. One of the greatest things we can do for our families is to teach them character. Character. Now, in, in a secular sense, in a broad sense, it's been said that character is what you are when no one is looking. Character is what you are when no one is looking. What do you do when your wife is not around, when your husband's not around, when your parents are not around? How do you act and how do you respond when it's just you? And of course, if you understand, God is looking on. But I want to go just one step further because a lost person, a person who is not a Christ follower, can have good character. They can have good character. But the Bible's not talking, I don't believe, about good character here. It's talking about godly character. And mark it down, only a believer in Jesus Christ can have godly character. Now, I want you to see the word child and character. Child and character. Look what it says. A good name is to be chosen. It's so important that you understand it's important what God calls you. And this is so, we may not make it verse 6. This is just so important. I, I was speaking to to Reed Roper this morning, who gave an incredible testimony in our Baptist men's time this morning. It was just incredible. But you know, in America, the default destination in eternity is heaven. You ask everybody, or anybody, um, so when you die, where are you going? Heaven. Why? I'm an American. You know? so, so when you die, where are you going? Uh, heaven. Why? Because I've not murdered anybody. You know, in America, heaven is the default destination. The only problem is that's not true. The Bible clearly teaches that every one of us has sinned against holy God. The default location, if nothing changes, and that means Jesus, if nothing changes in our lives, our default destination is hell. We were born on the path to hell. And only God's amazing grace, uh, bought and purchased uh, through His his son on the cross, only that salvation and that forgiveness can change that default location. And so I'm trying to, and this is going to be hard for you. You're going to go, Dwayne, I don't like that. And that's why I don't come to church because you preachers insist on saying things like this. I love you enough to tell you the truth. That without Jesus Christ, your default location is hell and God is not your father. He loves you. I know this is a contradiction I'm fixing to say. He loves you. But if you die without Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated from Him, experiencing His full wrath forever. Well, Dwayne, how can a God of love do that? Because you are separated by your sin. And a God of love sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that every man, woman, and child, rich man, poor man, black man, white man, a man who speaks German and a man who speaks English, it doesn't matter, that every person could come into relationship with Him. He paid the price, but you've got to take the gift. You've got to take the gift. And it has nothing to do with going to church. It has nothing to do with being a Baptist. has nothing to do with you being dumped in some water. It has to do with you turning from your sin, acknowledging that you're a sinner, and the Bible says all have sinned, 
and, and turning from your sin and choosing to follow Christ. That's what it involves. And when we do that, that process, we become a child of God. And I have the full right to call God Father because He, not anything I did, not because I went to church, not because I was a good boy, not because I got a paper file, paper file somewhere that has Reverend written on it, but because of His grace. I call Him Father. He calls me child. Now, that's never happened in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. This rings a bell. This makes sense. This is what's missing in my life. I, I know it's not church because I've gone to church. It didn't do anything for me. Um, it's not being good because I've tried to be good and it hadn't done anything for me. Then at the end of the service, we're going to have a decision time. And I'd like to invite you to come. And my friend Brent will be down here. And we just love to share with you about how much God loves you and, and how He made a way that you could call Him Father. You know, we're all, and we're going to hear this just a moment, we're all created by God, but not all can call God Father. Only those, only those who become His child. And then when we become a child, then we have the opportunity to grow this godly character. And listen to me. Parents, listen to me. One of the most important things you can do is to teach your child to be a, to be a man or a girl, man, boy, uh, girl, woman, lady, with godly character. To do the right thing even when no one is watching. It doesn't make God smile. It doesn't gain God's favor. It's just an incredible thing because it's a valuable thing. You know, the Bible says more valuable than gold or silver is this thing called character. To be genuine and authentic even when no one is watching. So a good name. The name that God wants to call you, child, is more valuable than great. It should be chosen over great wealth because favor is better than silver or gold. You know, grace has been described as God's unmerited favor. It's our nature to try to earn that favor by, by stopping or doing. I'll start this habit. I'll stop that habit. Um, I promise you, God, if you'll smile on me, I'll go to church. Um, I'll give money. Listen, you can't earn God's favor. It's impossible. You can't. But He wants to give it to you free. And that's called grace. And favor, God's favor is better than gold. God's favor is better than silver or gold. So mom and dad, one, make sure you've made that commitment to Christ. Don't commit to go to church. That's fine. But it's not a game changer. You know, you, know, you might want to commit to start or stop some of those habits. That's fine. But it's not a game changer. What is a game changer? A relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. His Son. Show your children godly character. Show your children not what the world would do. Oh, this is not bad. Don't show them what the world would do. Show them what Jesus would do. And it kind of ties in next because, well, it just does. In verse 2. The rich and the poor have this in common. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. In other words, that rich man, poor man, it doesn't matter. God made both of them. God made both of them. One of the greatest things you can teach 
your family is the value of people. First off, you need to understand this. The ground is level at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. That Jesus died for a white man and Jesus died for a black man. And Jesus died for a brown man or a yellow man. That Jesus died for those who speak English and those who do not. That Jesus died for the richest man in this town. But Jesus also died for the poorest man in this town. Teach your family that God cares about people. Not, not if they wear the right label or drive the right vehicle or live in the right part of town. That God just cares about people. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord God made them both. We heard so much at the convention about prejudice. I, I, I don't want to say anything really more than that because I'm going to share it tonight. I'm going to ask Judy to share also. We heard a lot about prejudice. And that made me stop and think. I'm going to be candid with you. And I still do not have a piece in my mind where the one fits and tell you so make you think less of me or not. I don't know. But I've always said, I'm a southern boy. Judy was raised in Valdosta, Georgia. I was raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I went to segregated schools until junior high and then we were segregated in our junior high in our senior high. And I've always said these words. I've said, you know, I, was, I, I, I watched these shows, these documentaries about the 60s and the, and the civil rights movement. And I've always said, I don't remember experiencing any of that. You know? And I'm shocked. I'm, look at me. Look me in the eye. I'm shocked. And I don't understand how we treated people that way. When I think about the, the, the South in the 50s and 60s and Mississippi and Georgia... And how black people were treated. I am just shocked. And I, I don't remember. And then all of a sudden I start remembering. I remember my grandfather. In the sixth grade. Or when I was. Yeah, sixth grade. I got a miniature recorder. For Christmas. And that was technology back then. And I have a recording of my grandfather. Telling racial jokes. And back then there was no cameras. There was no camcorders. There was nothing. And the only words that I have recorded my grandfather is telling racial jokes about Martin Luther King. And I thought about that and I said, oh wow. When I was about 10 years old, we got a call late one night and we lived in Jacksonville. My grandmother lived in, in Gainesville, Florida. And they just, all they said was my grandmother was sick and we had to go to Gainesville. So we drove and got there in the middle of the night and I went to grandmother's house and dad went to the hospital and, and again, they didn't tell us anything. And so finally let me in to see my grandmother and she had been beaten severely. Both eyes were blackened, I remember that. Her cheeks were puffy and bruised. And she had been bruised, beaten and raped by two black guys. That means, I, I still remember my emotion with that. But I do remember the motion, and she was 85. I just remember the motion of my father. The hatred he had for not just men, not just two men that did that, but two black men that did that. And I'm sure that left a scar on me somewhere. It bruised me. And here I thought I escaped all this, and as I started thinking, I realized, no, I didn't. 
I remember trying to explain to my youngest daughter, Sarah, after a visit with her uncle. She wanted to know, Daddy, why does he hate black people so much? It was inward this and inward that. And I tried to explain to her why he hated black people so much. Oh, by the way, at that time he was attending church and does attend church every week. I remember the time I went to the family reunion when I was much, much younger. And the big joke was that my divorced brother bought a girlfriend and he had a big surprise. And she showed up at the family reunion in blackface, pretending to be a black woman. I remember sitting with my family reunion with my brother-in-law and him making jokes about black people. See, I am scarred. I did experience it. And I hate it. Just be careful of this. Make sure that hidden somewhere down inside you is not some hidden prejudice. And it may not wear a skin color. It may wear a dollar sign. Beware. When you see a person poorly dressed and who doesn't smell as good as you, that doesn't well up from your heart as you cast condemnation upon them. Be careful that when a person struggling at the cash register to speak English and you're impatient that day, make sure it's not some welling prejudice that they should go back to their own country. Be careful of the prejudice that says it's fine if Africa dies and goes to hell because I'm not in Africa. Be careful of prejudice. Make sure in your home that your children and your family understands that God made people. And I pray for the day that we can, as a church, me as an individual and as a church family, that we can finally see people not as a skin color, but as a person. That we see something them as a man, as a woman, as a child. But we see them not as an economic status. And I, let me just say this. In about six weeks, we'll be doing our back-to-school event. One thing I love that my son-in-law, Jonathan, does, he takes the time to make sure faith particularly, but I'm sure it's going to happen with Ethan and with Hope also. But he makes sure they have ministry opportunities. I remember when he works in the shoes in the back-to-school event, he makes sure faith is right there beside him, helping have those children give them new shoes. Mark your calendar for August the 9th. And if you have children, bring them with you. And give them the opportunity to serve the least of these. Tear down those walls. Because according to the Bible, those walls are sin. Listen to this. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your church, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
Oh, may we always be the church. We're regardless of skin color. May we always be the church. Regardless of economic status. May we always be the church. Wherever a person is in life. That they find a place here. Where they can be loved. And they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we always be that. In verse 8 of James chapter 2 it says this. If you really. Excuse me. If you really fulfill the royal law. According to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality. You are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So let's be that church. Let your home be that home. And when your children have a tendency to point a finger or laugh, oh my goodness, did we, did we take time to think about those who, who are challenged in some way or another? Perhaps mentally or physically? And our children point the finger and laugh? When your child comes home from school and tells a story, trying to be funny about a kid in a wheelchair and perhaps how he didn't make it to the bathroom one time, will you take the time to sit down with your young child and say, listen, I know that may be what your friends do, but that's not our standard. Our standard is inside the box with the Word of God. So then we move down to Verse number three. And we'll do three and four. We'll have to stop. And we'll do the other part some other time. I hope this, this helps. I, my, my one word which turned into three, four was you and your parents. You know, mom and dad, God has entrusted you with being the molder and shaper of young lives. And one of the Detriments to that is sometimes our own past. The verse says this. A sensible person, and go ahead if you want to, if you take notes, write down an experienced person. And that's not taken away from the Word of God. That's, That's good. A sensible, experienced person sees danger and takes cover. But the inexperienced keep going. And are punished. Now this is a beautiful picture, really, of parents and students and children. Now students, I know this. Unless something's dramatically changed, you get so frustrated with your parents. Sometimes they just don't make sense. Sometimes they tell you no and you don't understand why there's a no. Sometimes they say yes and there's no sense for the yes. They're inconsistent sometimes. But God has given you parents for a reason. Now I know if you're getting bound in this row right here, some of y'all 15, getting to be 16 years old. And usually, unless something's changed, when I was 15 or 16, there were two stupid people in my world. Mom and Dad. And there was one brilliant person. And that was me. Because at 15 or 16, I knew everything. The only problem is, that's just not true. See, that verse says the inexperienced keep going or are punished. See, it's not your fault, but you're inexperienced. That your mom and dad have lived a little bit longer than you. 
Okay, and so they've got a little bit more experience. Now, that doesn't make them perfect. It doesn't make them like all wise or anything. But the bottom line is they've got a little more experience. And it's not your fault, but you haven't lived long enough to get experience. So you need someone to come along with a little bit more experience and help guide you through life. Now, it's kind of like this. You know, uh, Mac, you're fixing to turn 16, right? Okay, and so there's a lot of curvy roads down in southern Illinois. And so your dad gets you a car, mom gets you a car, you got the car, you know. And, and you're driving one day with dad, and, and you're, you know, this is when she's still 15. And you take her and you say, now, now when I was a boy, um, when I was a young man, I took this curve a little bit too fast. And I don't believe this happened. And I got off the road, went to the ditch. Yeah, probably did, did it, Tracy? I know how this man drives. <laughs> I know how this man drives. Uh, him, and, him and David are brothers in the driving department. They both like to push their machines. But anyway, so I was going around this curve, and I lost it, ended up in the ditch. And down. Now listen, Mackenzie, when you're driving, be careful of this curve. Because I know how dangerous it is. Now, would it make, you know, because of practical experience, it would make sense for Brent to share that knowledge and say, be careful in this curve because I've tried this curve and I lost it. And Mackenzie, you would be very wise if you were driving that road then and you saw that curve sign and flashed in your brain, wait, 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 Dad told me take this curve at 50 because at 70 you won't make it. So you touch the brake and you back off. Doesn't that just make sense? That's what the Word of God saying. It's saying God has given us parents because they have more experience. And we and younger people have not lived long enough and they lack experience. So parents, our job is to share that experience with them and keep them from danger. Because inexperience leads to trouble. Come on, isn't that pretty wise? Now here's the problem. Here's a new trend, I think a new trend, coming out of the 60s and 70s. That's snowballed. Okay? So you weren't so wise. Now you're a parent, you've got a teenager. And you did alcohol. Underage. You don't remember a lot of it because you were stoned out of your head. You did drugs. You don't remember a lot of it because you are stoned out of your head. You didn't keep your purity. You try to explain to your kids or to your wife... The 14 sexual encounters you had before you were married. And that scarred you, just like I talked about my, my upbringing in the South. It leaves scars. But here's the problem. First off, here's the good news. Thank God for grace. If you're a Christ follower now, you have turned from that, you repented from that, you put it under blood, leave it in the past where it belongs. Don't let Satan beat you up. Now... Here's the problem, though. I hear it from parents, and they're saying, I did underage drinking. How can I tell my child not to drink alcohol? I did it. How can I tell my child not to do drugs? I did it. How can I tell my kids to remain sexually pure? Because I didn't. Think about the curve. So Brent says, well... I lost it on the curve. But you know what? Because I did it, I'm in no position to warn Mackenzie. Let her find out on her own. Is that smart? Does that even make any sense? No, listen. At the appropriate time when it comes up, when your child asks about sexual purity, be as honest and as open as you need to be. You don't need to spill all your guts. But explain to your children, you bear some scars. 
because of unwise decisions you made. But don't feel like you can't share because you sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then share God's grace. Share God's grace that by grace you have been forgiven. Now mom and dads, you need to step up. You step up and make sure that you are the guide. You are the guide that your children need. Because they're, on, they're exploring. You need to be the guide as they explore. And share with them. and Tell them about the dangers of life. My goodness. If you could share, if you could spare them some of the pain you experienced, wouldn't it be a good thing? Now listen. Dwayne, that sounds like that takes time. It, it does. Dwayne, that takes me being real transparent. That makes me feel real uncomfortable. I know. I know. Can I ask you a question? Are your kids worth it? Are your kids worth it? If you could keep your child from experiencing hanging over a toilet Saturday morning, barfing their guts out. If you could spare your child an early death from a DUI, would it be worth it? Yeah, listen. Listen. Your friends will tell you this is hogwash. Boys will be boys! Girls will be... Kids will be kids. In case you haven't noticed, the baloney that the world is selling does not work. This book works. Is it? Dwayne, does it have perfect results every time? No, but 100% time the outcome is better. Your kids will not become saints, but they will become more godly. And godly kids can avoid some of the dangers that you and I have faced. So be bold. Be bold. Let me close with verse 10. I know it's a big jump from like 3 to 10. Drive out a mocker. Drive out the one with unwise counsel. When you're trying to get counsel about should you stay married or get a divorce, when you're trying to get, as a Christ follower, if you're trying to get counsel about how to raise your children, if you're trying to get counsel on, 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 on your career and integrity and those kind of things and character, drive out the mocker. There's a time to listen to your bud 500 feet underground the mine, and there's a time not to listen to your bud 500 feet under the ground. Okay? Drive out the mocker. And conflict goes to. Then quarreling and dishonor will cease. When we make a conscious decision, when we say, as Joshua did, as for me and my house, we are going to live inside the box. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. If it gets hard, it'll get hard. If it gets difficult, it gets difficult. But I trust and I believe my Father. I trust God. I trust His Word. And I'm going to get it inside the box. We're going to do it inside the box. Because listen, listen, listen. Life is better when you do. Life is better. When you do. So my bottom line, my challenge is this. Let's make our home a fortress 
of God. Let's teach our children the value of godly character. Let's teach our children by experience, by experience, by And by the way, I'm going to say this. The better you have in this world, the more you need to do what I'm saying about taking your kids and let them serve. Because the more wealth we have, the more tendency is to hold on to it. To not serve others. And again, as you already heard one of the messages, we're all rich. So my bottom line is, let's teach our children the value of people. That the value of a person is not weighed by his skin color or his economic status. That God says all people, all life, is valuable. As a parent, let's put the past in the past. Let's quit. Let's just say, Satan, today, starting today, you're not going to hold your past over my, your, my past over me anymore. It is under the blood, it's forgiven, and I will use it to help and teach others. But it will not hold me in bondage. It will not hold me in bondage. I will train. I will guide my children. Would you bow your heads, please? I told you we'd have a decision time at the very beginning, and this is it. And really, I think it probably boils down to two quick things. One is, have you met Jesus? You know, what happened 2,000 years ago on a Roman cross is just incredible. And it's true. It's historical and it's real. And we would love to introduce you and let you discover how God wants you to call Him Father and how that can happen right now, right here, today. My friend Brent's got answers to questions that you're asking. Am I just going to come as the team sings in just a moment? I should come and say, Brent, I want to know about this Jesus. He's who I've been looking for. He's whom I've been looking for. Perhaps as a mom and dad, Today, Maybe as a student. You may want to come to the altar. You may do it right there. But you'll make mom and dad make a fresh commitment to making your home a fortress for Christ. Teaching your children to value the things that God values. Students, you may want to have to tell God, God, you know, last night I called my mom and dad stupid and I realized today that they're probably not, that they really like me and love me. Would you forgive me of that? How many need to happen to? Anything we can do as far as church membership, baptism. You want somebody to pray with you today in a hard time? We'll pray with you right now. This is your time. God, thank you so very much for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your word. May it work its way into our hearts, change us, mold us, and make us as we apply it. And Jesus, I pray this.